everybody, listen closely. It's a whole new year for a whole new world. It's 2024. Johnny and I, over here at Digital Bytes for Team Blockchain, the podcast that you know and love, has introduced Season 5, Episode 1. Oh my goodness. Blimey, James. Happy New Year, mate. Happy New Year. (laughs) Well, James, we're going to kick off this year, similar like we have done in the past. And we're going to make a few predictions. We're going to we're going to polish off our crystal balls and look what maybe is in line for anyone involved with uh, blockchain technology and digital assets. Because as you know, that's what we do. We are not a newsletter. We don't tip investments, but we're really trying to understand who, how, where, and why in different industries in different countries the technology in these assets are being used. And and digital assets, just for the avoidance of any doubt, you know, obviously goes from you know from crypto and NFTs, but increasingly, and as we've been talking about now, as you say, we're coming up for five years, is this whole concept of the digitization of equities, bonds, funds, commodities, derivatives, and data. And we've been seeing more and more examples of this, of major global brands all over the world. But, But James, before we get into that, can you remember what the word of the year was last year? So you mean, when you say last year, do you mean last week? No, I mean, I mean, in 2023, so I know you know what the one is this year because we've got it in front of us. What was last year? Can you remember? Oh, it was, uh, shoot. No, I remember uh, disagreeing with it. <laughs> I know that's what I'm asking you. Permacrisis. 20... Say it again. Permacrisis. Per, that's right. Per, like they invented the word. That's they the invented the word. But, but listen, those, those people over at Collins Dictionary They've now claiming that the word of the year for 2023 is AI. Right, and that's AI not a word an either, right? AI, word, is, AI is an acronym. acronym. Yeah, well, they're, they're, they're saying, and they call it a term that describes a modeling of human mentality, functions by computer programs, and has been named Collins Word of the Year, considered to be the next great technological revolution. But meanwhile, their friends over at Cambridge Dictionary the lex- lexographers, they, they selected hallucinate as the word of the year. Now, oh, that's a word that's been around for ages. But again, they sort of, they're saying it's because the team recognized the new meaning gets to the heart of why people are talking about AI. This is a powerful tool, but one we're still learning how to interact safely and effectively. But as I sort of pose the question with you, James, when we were talking about this, first of all, AI is an acronym, not a word in my humble opinion. And I'm not so sure whether actually... AI means artificial intelligence, or as we've discussed many times on the Digital Bytes show, does it actually mean access to information? Because a lot of it is not necessarily intelligence, but it's assimilating and drawing and pulling together lots and lots of data and then coming out with some sort of predictability. So it's back to your old world, worlds in the algorithms, looking for trend, looking for probability, and then coming back with something that looks like it's an intelligent guess. But it's just based on mathematical computation very often. You know, it kind of makes sense now that you think about it. Like Cambridge went with hallucinate because when AI hallucinates, it winds up creating bad information. Well, that's, that's that, an actual we, term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but there you go. So that was that was um, that was what was. But in terms of what might be, you know, there's there's a couple of things which we've sort of drawn out and we've we've gone through, you know, various different things and tried to give people a sort of a selection. Uh, I don't think we should go through all of them, but I think one of the ones I'd, I'd like to start off with, James, would be 
one of your favorites, and that's layer two blockchains. Can you just give us a quick update on what a layer two protocol is and why we think that, uh, you know, we're going to see more of these being adopted or not? Well, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, right, layer two is, so they sit on this, like, so if you look at Ethereum, you have the uh, Ethereum virtual machine and the addresses are all zero X, whatever. And Ethereum pumps away at what? 15 transactions per second. And yep. if you and I are bidding on a transaction, we make the gas fees go up and it becomes really unsustainable. So the idea of creating a layer two is another exact replica of that blockchain on top of Ethereum, Ethereum being the primary, you know, the master of it all, Polygon, Matic, Phantom, Binance Smart, well, no, not Binance Smart Chain. They're not layer two. They're just a, a replica. So let's Polygon is a great example. They say you wouldn't know the difference between Polygon and Ethereum. It's cheaper and easier for you and I to operate on Polygon and then let our settlements occur while we're not concerned with the time over on the Ethereum chain on layer one. So it's kind of like that HOV lane on the highway. You have those over by you? No, no, but I know what you mean. <laughs> Explain what one of those is. So the HOV lane out here is if you have more than one or two people in your vehicle, you get to ride an express lane on the highway, you know, 75 miles an hour. You get this priority access to get to your destination quicker and happier and more lightheartedly than everybody else sitting in a traffic jam. And that's so Polygon, now I have opinions, and I don't know if we want to cover that, but Polygon is supposed to be that express route through our blockchain. Eventually, we all wind up over by Vitalik's office making us rich. Well, so, you know, we're seeing a number of these blockchains, the layer two ones being adopted. It's interesting Fidelity Labs reckon that, um, you know, this is going to sort of mean that you can have less bottlenecks and less congested blockchains and, and lower fees. But um, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We, we think that that probably will happen, but I know it's not necessarily a totally popular prediction. Well, one, of my, one of my predictions I feel very, very strongly about is this whole thing about money market funds. Um, and again, for regular listeners, they'll be familiar with this. Money market funds um, in, the, in Europe are, are running at about $1.7 trillion. Um, here in the UK, they're tiny. They're only 50 billion. But in the States, they've got a massive $5.6 trillion of assets in money market funds. Why? Because they're a lot safer than a bank because the money's spread between you know, many, many different entities and professionally managed. And they normally have a higher yield than, a, than most bank accounts. But the trouble is, is that your money's tied up for four or five days. But we're beginning to see some big asset management companies in this country, Aberdeen Standard. In America, you've got Franklin Templeton, you've got BlackRock, you've got Amundi, who are an asset management business in, in Europe, probably the biggest one in Europe. And they're all converting their money market funds, which means that you'll be able to get your money from those digitized money market funds the same day. So it's a little bit like parking your money. Instead of in a deposit account with a bank, you could put your money with a money market fund and get professional treasury management, a higher yield, but still access to your money. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And the reason that we highlight this is that not only are money market funds potentially going to be an alternative to a bank account, but it's going to be very difficult for an asset manager that's converted their money market fund and not convert their equity funds 
their bond funds, their real estate funds, their emerging market funds, et cetera, et cetera. And the fund sector, according to PwC, by next year will be worth over $145 trillion. So that's nearly sort of uh, 90, 100 times bigger than the current value of cryptocurrencies. So we see this as being giving more transparency, fairer for the clients. And as we see the digitization of money market funds, that's likely to be copied by, by other fund managers, James, I reckon. You know, what's ironic about the whole thing is that with the U.S. being the biggest in the market, I've always avoided money markets. I never understood them. I couldn't grasp them. Felt naughty trying to have them in my bank. Maybe this will be what convinces me to finally get in. Well, you, you sit, well, we've talked about it before in the, in the States. You have, uh, well, in, in economies, you have something called M1, which is the money supply, the amount of cash that's circulating around that the banks have printed. And in the States, up until around about 2020, it was running at around about $3.8 trillion. And then along came COVID and the pandemic, and the Uncle Sam just turned on the printing presses. And, you know, all of a sudden, you've got nearly $21 trillion worth of cash flushing around the economy. But people were worried off the back of Silicon Bank and, and Silvergate and the like, and they've taken money out of the banks. And that, that's why we've seen money market funds rise in value now to you know, a little under $6 trillion. But I think once we start seeing these being digitized, I think a lot more money will come out of the bank accounts and funds because it's going to be lower risk and it's a more prudent way to manage your money. And that money is going to find its way into money market funds and so perpetuate that particular story even further. So I think it's a trend to look out for. The other thing, James, I think we're going to see is at the moment, there's relatively few digital exchanges. You know, we've had our friends on from Archex and from Swarm. We've got six in Switzerland. You've got ADX in Singapore. But there is absolutely no reason why the London Stock Exchange, the German Bourse, the NASDAQ, the, you know, the Paris, the Spanish, the you know, the Japanese exchanges, why they will not start trading digital assets. And bearing in mind that there are more funds than there are quoted stocks in all of those countries and stock exchanges and markets I've just mentioned to you there, you could see the number of stocks or number of entities, number of securities that are quoted on traditional stock markets, it could double or triple from their current volume which would be fantastic news because a lot of these stock markets are really suffering because volumes have collapsed. The number of IPOs, apart from places like China and the Middle East, are a fraction of what they have been in the past. So stock exchanges are looking to reinvent themselves to become more relevant to today's society. And I think that the tokenization of funds that need these exchanges to be quoted on, that could throw themselves a, a real lifeline. So I was reading this article earlier. We also discussed it with Beth, right? But as I read it again, what came, what came to mind was I actually found a relation here. We glanced over. We didn't touch the NFTs, you know, and Harry Styles and Taylor Swift. But why? But hear, hear me out. An NFT in this theory with traditional stock exchanges going digital, why wouldn't an NFT just become another asset like an equity or a bond or a currency? That would trade on six in our checks. And, you know, NASDAQ is known for being electronic. That's why they were created. Yep. When you get to the point where the ETFs are now the hot new rumor to get for mass adoption and, and you know, the Bitcoin and Ethereum ETFs and causing a lot of controversy, but it's just another asset. 
going back to your so, point, totally agree. And that's why we said NFTs are like to get more more attention, more attraction. More attraction. I guess I hate to use the word in a legitimate aspect. Well, it's just a shame that they 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 are they are called what they're called because it's it's pretty tricky for to succinctly explain what's something that is fungible. It's not a word that we tend to use. I, I know cash is fungible, but people don't think of it as a fungible asset. And once you explain what fungible is, you then turn around and say, oh, but it's not that, it's non-fungible. So it's, oh, oh, hang on, that's, well, that's it's really super confusing what that is. So all these are, and again, we've talked about it, so apologies for regular listeners, but these are really just digital certificates. And you need digital certificates, whether it's for your car, whether it's for your stocks, whether it's for tickets to a show these have these potentially do have value we talked about the lamborghini avatar who that was um, sold by i think it was phillips the auctioneers and they sold the the last lamborghini that they made of that particular range and along with it came an nft and it was a digital certificate of authenticity so it actually had details about the car where it was made the gearbox the chassis the engine number all that sort of stuff so if you go and sell that car you don't have the original certification it's not going to be worth as much and, and the same goes for high-end expensive jewelry watches artwork so you can start to see now why nfts really should be used and will start getting that legitimacy as opposed to at the moment it's just been you know pictures of monkeys and which have gone up crazy prices and now have collapsed and people are kind of thinking oh that's that's speculation it's not really for me but these nfts you're quite right i think they have a real role to play going forward yeah it's gonna it's gonna drive again mass adoption i i like to say they're serial numbers if something requires a serial number that's where the nft is going to come in you know not yeah. a photo of a monkey or an ape but your car registration your your the history of the service records on your vehicle and then when you go to sell your vehicle they'll be able to purchase that nft purchase might be the wrong word but have a immutable have have use, have use of the vehicle with an NFT. Yes, with the yeah. information in front of them. Yeah. But you see, I also think that NFTs, digital certificates, that's very much going to fit in. And this was a um, this was a prediction which delighted have had from our good friend, um, the Badger over West Loves East. And she was saying that the, the role of artificial intelligence in social media and broadcasting, you know, for influencers and creation content, this is going to expand a lot more and, and AI is going to be used in the creativity field, she feels. Well, if that is the case, you're going to need to want to be certain you've got some degree of authenticity. You're going to want some degree of provenance. You're going to want to be able to lock in and say, here is a database, here is recording that actually this, this new form of generative sort of art, if you like, this is where it comes from. And track and trace and provenance and transparency well, that all goes lockstep in with obviously the use of blockchain technology. So, Beth, I reckon you're spot on there that AI is going to be used a lot more. And I think probably in conjunction with blockchain power platforms to be able to track and trace their provenance. I like the uh, just embracing blockchain more. EV charging tokens. When do I get my hands on those? Well, we've already seen our friends over Minima. They're doing something similar. And I know certainly... You know, we, if you remember, we were talking to Sunified in Holland and they, they would do, they're basically creating, they're tokenizing the creation of electricity. So their solar farms, literally on a second by second basis, timestamping and geolocating, i.e. 
this electricity was made in this place at this time so that you've got absolute provenance so when people you know someone like google is a massive user amazon massive user of, of electricity in their data centers and their cloud technology and these companies want to go you know new, carbon neutral by 2030 well they're never going to do it in terms of their data activity so they're going to have to make sure they're buying green electricity and you know, ev charging tokens a good example there you know you, you're going to see more and more money going into the green space and you've got to prove that it is truly green. It comes back to provenance. It comes back to how do you actually have a record and the data that everyone can trust that is immutable? Well, that sounds very much like a blockchain solution to be able to prove you are buying what you what you really want to buy. And then everything will be regulated at the end. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but James, th some of these predictions were obviously ours. A number of these came from some of um you know some of the other companies and some of our guests during the year so just a quick shout out to uh trust property exchange the montes group bike tree dr jane thompson hadn't spoken to her for a while but she's been on the show a couple of times corby hair of the house of block the lawyers field fisher and then another lawyers sam tyfield over shoe shoesmiths we had um, helen disney hugo who we mentioned hugo philip and minima our good friend James Ransom KC from Australia Group, and then Custodex and CMS. And last but no means least, we had the Badger, Beth Clemens from West Loves East. So thank you all for your input, thoughts, and ideas. And if you'd like to get a full copy of our predictions for 2024, then just please reach out to James Tiley, Cyber.fm, or myself, Johnny Fry, Team Blockchain. Both of us, you can find us on LinkedIn. And James, you've had a fantastic idea. We're thinking of uh, writing a book and consolidating a lot of this educational stuff we do week in, week out, so that it's an accessible in a, in a printed format as well. You know, we've always been about education, right, and access. And it dawned yep. on me that you know, whether it's an ebook or a physical book, I'd love to. I'd love to. See. We offer. Remember, Spotify said to us last year that we offered ninety three percent new information every week. 93% more than any other newscast, right? So that's a lot of information. Why wouldn't we want to put a book out there where maybe if a small educational company is going to say, you know, read these chapters for, for knowledge or, you know, West Loves East Radio, our target audience is that mass adoption group where we want everybody, you know, in simple entertaining hopefully audio wise you know easy to read understanding words i mean if you talk about bitcoin or nfts you know your next door neighbor is really like, yeah i'm not into that those are monkeys right they don't know <laughs> but we got to get a broader audience out there and i think that printed material is going to definitely i mean we do it now right so let's go old school yeah, well, as, well, as as you if, well, if you didn't know, every week we we actually produce digital bytes. You can get your copy. Just go to the Team Blockchain website or Cyber.fm, and you can sign up, and we'll send it to you. But we're going to do like an omnibus edition, so we can do a sort of a, an overall summary of some of the top stories month by month that we covered. And uh, but but in all seriousness, if you've got a if you've got a topic, if you've got a subject you'd like us to look at, um, then just reach out to either James or myself, and we'll do our best. We've got a little team of researchers in different parts of the world. And every week we're looking at sort of who, how, where and why blockchain technology and digital assets are being used. And as I say, I think in the past it's been a little bit 
little bit specialist, um, you know, talking around cryptocurrencies and the like. But now we're seeing more and more evidence that you know, the crypto market is relatively small. As we talked earlier this year, it's about $1.8 trillion in size. But if we look at the bond market, the equity market, well, well in excess of $100 trillion. Fund market, $145 trillion. The real estate market, according to Savills, $379 trillion. And then that big daddy, which is obviously the derivatives market, which is $1.2 quadrillion. And actually only this week, we've seen the, the, the derivatives market saying, well, look, not only are we going to accept smart contracts, but we're also going to accept as collateral tokenized assets. So that's a topic we're going to come back to in the next couple of weeks. And how does that impact on, on that market, which is the biggest asset class anywhere in the world? So lots more to come in 2024. Please keep your feedback coming. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back on the airways next week with another edition of the Digital Byte Show. Thank you.